Hi there, this is Anais, your Curious Recruiter, recording this new episode from my lockdown office, still, but at least I've got two dogs lounging next to me, one on each side, so life's good. For a change, I decided to talk a bit about everyday stuff in this specific episode, so stuff that isn't necessarily related to recruiting, just simply because lately I've been finding myself in a real good workflow with lots of open roles to work on, you know, it's the beginning of the year, there's lots of hiring manager conversations happening, projects kicking off, things moving, you know, candidates being closed, and wow, I'm just totally in my element right now, and it hasn't been busy like that in a long, long time, so I really love it. Yet the thing is, it doesn't really feel busy at all. And while I feel like I'm giving it my 200%, even when I know that mathematically that's not possible, I still feel like I work less than I used to before. And by less, I mean I spend less time on doing the same amount of work. Hey, so here's a little secret. So actually, if you piece it all together, I only work about four to five hours a day. And trust me, it's amazing. So in the end, I get more done in less time, and in turn, I have more time available, which I can either use to work on side projects, check out my personal brand episode to understand, you know, what could be the great things that you could do in order to find some side projects that can only be of benefit to you in your personal life and also in your career. And yeah, sometimes I just want to chill and, I don't know, play zombie games on the PlayStation. Yep. Don't judge. It's whatever floats your road. Anyways, I simply learned to work with what works for me in terms of working. See what I did there? And I feel like I finally got my productivity settings right. So I thought, why not share a couple of those productivity tips with you guys? But of course, it's all attached to a teeny tiny disclaimer. See, the thing is, those are my personal tips for a successful and productive work week. So you could say that they are tried and tested, but of course, you and I are, I'm sure, two completely different people and what works for me might not work for you. As you know now, I have children of the furry and barking kind, but no other quote-unquote obligations. And I have the luxury to live in my own apartment with a separate dedicated office, a comfy chair, a huge external screen. And that's because that's my ideal idea of working from home. And maybe you prefer working from the couch with a purring friend next to you. And maybe you're more of a night owl, and I prefer to get the day started early. So, yeah, you get my gist. Please feel free to cherry pick some of the things that sound interesting to you here in this episode, but I know, of course, that these tips are not universal. When applied, they do, however, especially in my case, minimize stress and make me a whole lot more productive. So yeah, if you want to hear more about what I think are excellent ways to achieve a highly productive work week with some easy-to-action tips, then, well, stay with me, guys. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get to the first tip, and that's to start your day with an admin block to clear your inbox. So this tip holds true for, I think, most office jobs out there. The most annoying thing about office jobs is having to deal with incoming emails during the day. And when you still have a pile of emails left unread or unactioned from the last day, or two, or three, well, this can create an added element of pressure that's pretty much always luring at the back of your mind. So every morning, the first thing that I do is grab a cup of coffee, and you can of course grab any drink of choice, and before I'm ready to brave the world of Zoom meetings, candidate calls, and interviews, I work through the bunch of emails I received overnight, 
while sipping my macchiato. And this really allows me to get the day started slowly and to better understand what my focus areas are going to be for the day or for the next days to come. So this start of the day ritual can take anything between 15 minutes to one hour, depending on the amount of stuff that came in for me, or, you know, depending on the amount of fires that I need to put out. Another thing that's helped me tremendously is keeping what you call a clean inbox or a zero inbox. It means that I automatically delete or file away emails from my inbox and leave only the action items that are pending. So technically, each email is an action item. And with that in mind, I sometimes actually send myself emails with specific action items so I just don't forget about them. So the thing is that once you're done with the task or with the email that this task represents, you just file it away in a dedicated Outlook folder or subfolder, and that way you can easily navigate your folder structure to find any emails you need to refer back to at any later stage. So if you're a visual person like me, you'll be able to tell how much is still left for you to work on by the amount of emails hanging in your inbox. And with just one glance at my email inbox slash my to-do list, I know what I want to prioritize that day. And I find the zero inbox policy to be a very good trick to keep myself in check in terms of the work I accomplished today. It allows me to say, I have a clean inbox, so my work here is done. And that allows me to disconnect and close shop for the day with a lot more ease and more importantly, with less guilt because I feel like I've ticked off all my action items. All right, so let's get down to our second tip or rather a very important rule. And that is don't procrastinate. Just don't. Do not sweat the small stuff. As Charles Dickens said it, never do tomorrow what you can do today because procrastination is the thief of time. And the idea behind this tip is for you to get the small tasks out of the way in order to carve out time so you can concentrate on the bigger tasks that take up a lot more brain power. Normally, if given a choice between doing something and nothing, I'd choose to do nothing. But I will do something if it helps someone else do nothing. I'd work all night if it meant nothing got done. And I'm sure you already got it. That tip I gave you earlier around getting your inbox cleaned and emails out of the way every morning is just the tip of the iceberg. So the only thing that people hate more than answering emails is basically having to go after menial recurring tasks. So for recruiters, that could be anything from scheduling meetings to rejecting candidates to going through application buckets or opening and posting jobs. And well, the truth is that we have a very human tendency to want to procrastinate on those sorts of tasks. But that kind of small busy work is actually super quick to get rid of. And believe it or not, it helps your brain relax because you're familiar with the mechanics of the tasks and they don't require heaps of concentration either. So save the menial tasks that you could do in your sleep for, let's say, special occasions, either to wind up or to wind down. And that could be the post-lunch slump, as soon as you arrive in the office or home office or at the very end of your day. Oh boy, after a good lunch, I find nothing more relaxing than having to go through a bucket of candidate applications. But yeah, it wouldn't be the first time someone would call me a weirdo. But hey, I own it, right? <laughs> and if you still don't find those things relaxing, trust me, I understand, just lock some time into your diary to bunch them all up together and do them all at once. Just rip the band-aid off. I, for example, hate candidate rejection calls, but they're important even though I'd rather avoid them. But having learned the hard way, I know for a fact that the longer you wait, the worse this nuisance becomes. It's basically like a patch of mold on cheese. The longer you leave it there, 
the bigger it grows and the worse it becomes. And I'm telling you, it's not the sort of mold that makes your teas even better. It's just something that I know you want to ignore, but you can't. You know, you have to get it out of the fridge and throw it. Just get it over with. So yeah, the thing that I do is just schedule myself a rejection block. So I bunch them all up together and do all of my rejections at once. As sad as it sounds, it works. And the great part about getting the small nitty gritty tasks out of the way is that if you're like me and you love getting stuff done and ticking off boxes, then those small tasks will make you feel like you're on top of the world. Well, maybe not the world, but you're definitely on top of something. All right, so for a third tip, let's talk about something most of us thought was like the biggest strength you should have, professionally speaking, but ultimately it's a real doom to productivity. For this third tip, I'm going to have to ask you to simply stop multitasking and start focusing. Focus on what I'm saying. I'm focused, I focus hard. I mean, the ability to multitask used to be the most bragged about skill in the market, especially for recruiters. We are switching from sourcing to interviewing, to making job offers, to leading recruitment meetings. And oftentimes we're trying to do it all at once. Come on, don't tell me you haven't tried to write a rejection email to a candidate while you were on the phone interviewing another one. But that's simply a recipe for a disaster. Let's be amazing at being agile and switching flexibly between different types of tasks, but let's put a big, big no-no on multitasking. What I'm trying to say is that when you are in a Zoom meeting, for example, then try to not do anything else that's completely unrelated at the very same time. I know we are all restless when we're going through a series of Zoom meetings, but multitasking on a Zoom meeting doesn't really increase productivity. All it does is drain your brain power and, well, your credibility too. You are switching screens, your gaze is wandering, you're neither here nor there. It just makes you look bad when someone suddenly and out of the blue says, So what were your thoughts on this, Anais? And I'm really not good at consistently practicing what I'm preaching here, but I can tell you guys, I'm working on it like crazy. Because the embarrassment of being put on the spot like that in front of everyone and then realizing you didn't even get half of what was said in the Zoom meeting, and on top of that, the thing you did simultaneously is a half-armed attempt at, I don't know, a PowerPoint presentation or an email full of typos and errors. Well, let me tell you, that embarrassment is just too big of a thing to live with. And I don't want anything to do with it. I learned a lesson. Never half-ass two things. Whole-ass one thing. So what has helped me in this situation is to put my phone and my Apple Watch on mute and shut down my company messenger and my email and my WhatsApp. Also, as awful as it sounds and it is to me, I force myself to keep the camera on just to keep myself accountable and in order to not look like I'm in another galaxy entirely. If I do get restless or disengaged, I grab a piece of paper and I doodle. But what I have found out to be the best way to stay engaged is to actually take written notes. And usually I do that in a weird calligraphy style because that's my thing. But you know, even though I'm not using those notes at all, I'll probably never look at them again, I was engaged, and guess what? I was present, and I really soaked up the content of the meeting. Plus, I looked smart and engaged because I was holding a pen on camera. Oh, and hey, the same goes with things like sourcing or any sorts of activities that require a lot more concentration. Shut your email and messenger down for whenever you need to concentrate, just so you're not distracted by any incoming pings as you're working on more important tasks. 
So we are moving on to tip number four, which has been a favorite of mine ever since I started working in high tech. And that is simply put, use a calendar and use your calendar to map out your week and your weekly deliverables. And of course, by calendar, I mean not just any calendar. Of course, if you're the pen and paper kind of guy or gal, sure, be my guest. But I meant your Outlook or Gmail or project management tool based calendar. The odds are that you work in a company with lots of meetings and constant meeting invites. And let me tell you, that calendar is not just an annoying thing that dings 15 minutes ahead of a meeting and, you know, casually reminds you that you need to go get that darn PowerPoint presentation ready. There is a lot more to it and you should use that calendar as a time management tool. So how do you do it? Well, theoretically, it will require you to become good friends with your calendar and basically make sure you have him on speed dial. Or her or them. Um, obviously, no trying to send genders here, of course. And practically, it means that you'll need to map out your different deliverables, breaking them down into tasks, assigning them a specific duration, and, well, go ahead with slotting them into your calendar one by one. So if you're a recruiter, for example, you might want to start by getting an overview of your open positions. Which stage are they at? Do you need to set aside time to write the role specification? Do you need to meet the hiring manager? Do you need to set time aside to source or maybe start reaching out and interviewing? What needs to be done and when and how much time will you allocate for it? When you're doing this sort of mapping, just watch out for recurring tasks and try to automate them with recurring calendar holds. That's where advice number one and number two come in. Remember the clean inbox and ripping the band-aid off on the small menial things? Well. Use an admin block for your morning emails. Make it recurring on a daily basis. Use a block for your candidate rejections. How about half hour every two days? How about those candidate outreaches on LinkedIn? Maybe you'll want to do them all in bulk around, let's say, 8 a.m. in the morning so your candidates can answer them as part of their Latte Macchiato morning email routine. You get the point, hold some time for it in your diary. And also, when you're mapping out your weekly deliverables, always have a proactive approach. Schedule whatever needs to be scheduled, and when it involves other people such as hiring managers or stakeholders, it's even more important to just get it in the diaries. So my tip here is to schedule things like debriefs or say hiring manager updates in advance in order to save that time in both your calendars so you won't scramble to find time last minute. And a good trick here is to have those scheduled as recurring meetings as well on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, but with the wonderful premise that they can be canceled if they're not needed. And if you end up not needing the call, then this will feel great too, because it simply gives you back time. To me, as a recruiter, those calendar blocks have also acted as reminders, almost like a deadline for things that I need to do. If we're talking about a pipeline update for a specific role, for example, I always want to make sure that I actually have something to talk about, like X amount of new candidates reach out to, or X amount of interviews happening, etc. So that thing holds me accountable to actually doing the work. Get it? Also, coming back to the third tip around focusing more, I highly encourage you to schedule focus blocks where you can have a good amount of uninterrupted time set aside to simply focus on more important stuff or work that requires more concentration, such as, for example, sourcing. A good way to plan and slightly shake up your week or your day is to alternate tasks of different types. Think of, for example, alternating high energy tasks where your participation and activity is required, like, say, meetings, with much quieter ones like sourcing. I just love breaking up my day with short bursts of admin too. 
Those 15 to 20 minute breaks where I just do small, quick fix things just simply give me the reassurance that I've actually achieved something and they feel quite rewarding, especially when I'm coming out of a two hour sourcing session with less suitable candidates than I had hoped for. In essence, plowing through a really complex task might work occasionally and sometimes your job just requires you to do it, but eventually you do need to take regular breaks in order to stay productive throughout the duration of that task. As a short aside, I've actually read about something that is commonly called the Pomodoro Technique, which is a time management technique by which you set yourself a time of 25 minutes to complete a given task with 100% focus. So those 25 minutes are considered one single unit of time that is called a pomodoro, which is Italian for tomato. And when that unit is over, you're allowed a five minute break. So all in all, that gives you kind of this 30 minute interval. Studies have shown that this interval method and more specifically that five minute break will help reset your brain and help you assimilate and be more productive in your next pomodoro. So when I read this, I thought, well, I completely get the point and I find this an interesting concept but perhaps a little bit too restraining, a little bit too small of an interval, especially if you're working on a bigger task that for sure can't be completed in 25 minutes. But you know, you can count on me. I did a little more research and I found out that a common variation of this method includes working in 90 minute concentration blocks, which actually reflects the natural concentration cycle because after 90 minutes, you're all concentrated out. Basically what both of these methods suggests is that you should take a brain break every now and then. And remember, a block used to focus on yourself is also a focus block and it's actually just as important. Definitely feel free to block your calendar, say after 6 p.m. or whenever you want to close shop or to set yourself some time over lunch for a lunch break or simply block out an hour every now and then for what I call a breathing block in between meetings. Anyway, I am all about blocks and calendars and calendar blocks. They're visual, they can be color-coded, and they make me less anxious because they help me understand where I stand. And last but not least, the great thing about using blocks consistently is that, well, they actually block out your calendar for others to not schedule meetings on top. So hopefully you work in a company where people actually check availability and don't just guerrilla schedule. So yeah, when you have those blocks in place, they kind of help set boundaries, almost like your personal assistant who filters stuff for you and says nope to uh, meetings that you don't actually want to join or can't join. I want to be your assistant. I'll make sure you don't have to go to any meetings. If anyone comes to see you, I'll scare them away. All right, so we are moving on to tip number five, and that is the following. Keep your eyes on the ball, even outside of office hours. Okay, this might sound super contradictory to what I said earlier, but hear me out. Allowing yourself to disconnect is great. You have to, but completely losing track can sometimes add a certain element of anxiety to the table. You know, that bad feeling you get on a Sunday evening because you're afraid of that Monday morning avalanche of emails and requests and whatnot? That's exactly the anxiety that I'm referring to here. Now, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying isn't that you should be connected to your emails and pings 24-7, but what I'm saying is that from time to time, make sure to keep an eye on things. Well, one eye. Or just use peripheral vision. Ugh. You know what I mean. <laughs> that time when you wake up trying to get out of bed right after you scrolled through these cats and dog videos and Instagram, just, you know, have a quick glance at the old inbox. Then you go on about your day, brush your teeth, you know, do your thing. Just don't answer, but have a look. Those dead minutes when you're waiting in line for your appointment or you're at the checkout, check in on your pings. 
And of course, no matter how annoying the pings or emails might be, and no matter how compelled you feel to answer right away, don't. This is actually an amazing exercise. You know what's going on, but you're also allowed and encouraged to take a step back. Don't answer right away because no one is expecting you to. And it's your evening or it's your weekend anyway, or it's your breathing block, whatever it is. If anything, this time allows you to cool down, to think about how to best reply, and sometimes even helps you put things into perspective. Believe me. If any of you need anything at all, too bad. Deal with your problems yourselves like adults. Also, I sometimes find it helpful to do small pieces of admin during the weekend. Please hear me out. Don't stop the podcast right away. I am going to explain myself. Sometimes I spend no more than 30 minutes to an hour checking in on what came in over the weekend and just to take a couple of admin things off the way. Obviously, I don't go out reaching out to candidates or to internal stakeholders during the weekend. I just do my own paperwork. And that really helps me mentally prepare and start the real work week on a really good foot. I know this might sound like I am cray cray, but when I keep my eyes on a ball, I am merely informing myself passively of what is going on and I'm mentally preparing a response or a quippy comeback. I never actually do any work or respond at that time, but yeah, I know what I'm going to do the moment I get on my computer on that Monday morning. And also, when I quote-unquote catch up on a work weekend, I'm not really catching up on what I didn't manage to do during the week. I'm just making order. My Mondays, which actually are my Sundays since I work in Israel where the work week is Sunday to Thursday, well, my Mondays are therefore super relaxed and productive because I can focus on the value-generating tasks and don't have to weed through the admin first, which I just did, you know, in that 30 minutes on a Sunday. Okay, now there's a very last point that I'd like to make where productivity is concerned. Now, it's going to sound a little bit cheesy, but guys, the key element to productivity is to take care of yourselves. No machine is productive when it's broken. You guys can't be productive when you're tired or hungry or didn't get your morning coffee or, I don't know, your Sudoku escape of the day. If all work and no play makes Stewie a dull boy. So whatever I said earlier is absolutely useless if you're not putting yourself first and making sure you have somewhat of a balanced thing going on. And balance can look very different to each and every one of us. The key is simply to know how much is enough or too much for you. One of my mentors once told me that high tech, for example, is a cake eating competition. The more you eat, the more you get. So basically, the more you work, there will always be more work thrown at you. You can work 24 hours in a day and still feel like you didn't achieve or you still have more work to do because there's always more to do. That's why it's really important for you to set boundaries. And it's more than okay to do so. You are of no use to your employer when you're burned out, and they probably know that. So your mental as well as your physical well-being should always be on top of their minds, and they should be supporting you when you choose to set any sort of boundaries. And that doesn't just mean closing up shop at a decent time of day and not continuing to work until 11 p.m., which we all know is super easy nowadays that we're working from home. Setting boundaries also means setting some time aside to air your brain and your butt during the day and just basically fight the good old screen and Zoom fatigue. Just get some movement in, otherwise you will feel the consequences. I have a hernia. I've had it for a while and I've been ignoring it successfully. But uh, this morning, I made the mistake of sneezing. 
But as long as I sit still and don't move my head or torso, I'm good. I got this. So yeah, catch coffee breaks, stretch breaks, dog walking breaks, catwalking breaks, load up on energy and wits, and for heaven's sake, go and pee. I'm telling you guys, procrastination is a thing, and it's really not comfortable. Anyway, we've come to the end of this podcast episode around planning a productive week. I am genuinely hoping that some of those tips will be of help, but I am conscious I might also be completely amiss in terms of hitting the mark of practical advice that can actually fit within your habits. In which case, I would simply love to hear about some of your productivity hacks and how they've helped you work smarter. I'm also conscious that a lot of what I offer takes a whole deal of habit building. So if you're one of these people who, I don't know, you just wing it and wing it good, I really admire you and I want to know what your secret is. Please teach me, master. So uh, yeah, send all of your thoughts via voice message on Anchor, via DM on Instagram, on at the curious recruiter, all in one word, or just send a good old fashioned email. I'll read it during my morning email block. All right, my calendar is reminding me that I'm due for a podcast focus block and my furry co-worker needs a walk. So I guess I'll see you, hopefully more productive than ever, on the next episode. Bye, guys.